Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Camp Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Hello and welcome back to Field Notes. This week we are going to finish John chapter 1. We begin in verse number 35. And again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael come unto him, and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The title of our message this week, our study this week, is Bringing Friends to Jesus. And we start right here in verse 35 where it says, John stood and saw two, and two of his disciples stood with him. And when he saw Jesus walking, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And then verse 37, the two disciples who heard him speak, followed Jesus. And then Jesus in verse 38 turns and sees them and says unto them, What do you seek? And they said unto him, Rabbi, where do you dwell? Now, let me say this. Before we bring anyone to the Lord, we have to ask ourselves that question. What seek ye? What are you seeking? Why are you following Jesus. Because following Jesus is not enough, folks. We have to follow him for the right reasons. Now, fire insurance is a good thing. We should all want fire insurance, right? We should want uh, just, you know, that that little bit of security against, you know, fire. 
And that's what getting saved so you don't go to hell is all about. It's fire insurance. And that's that's a good place to start. You know, wanting to get saved, wanting to follow Jesus, wanting to be a child of God so you don't go to hell, that's a great place to start. But that's not the only reason for following Jesus. And if that's your only reason for following Jesus, you're not following him completely. It's about having a relationship. What are you seeking? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said to a young man who asked him, what's the greatest law? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. You see, it's about a relationship. It's not just fire insurance. It's just not just saying, well, I, I'm going to do the bare minimum so that I don't go to hell. It's about having a relationship. And our relationship with Jesus should lead us to having relationships with other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then next, love your neighbor as yourself. If you love the Lord, it will lead you to love other people. And you can't love someone else unless you also want the best for them. Now to say I love my spouse, I love my brother or sister, I love my parents, I love my cousin, I love uh, uh, my neighbor, I love uh, my best friend, but I'm never going to tell them about Jesus because I don't want to offend them, I don't want to hurt them. Folks, you're just admitting that you don't love them like you think you do. Because if you truly love them, you want the best for them. And the best for anybody, the best for anybody, is to have the assurance of heaven as their eternal home. That's the best for anybody. Because this life, the 70, 80 years we get here, it's a drop in the bucket. It ends so quickly. And eternity is on the other side. And it's so very long. This life is just preparation for the next life. And if you really really love someone, you want to help get them prepared for the next life. There's nothing better on this earth for any man or woman than to find Jesus. So the question from the outset of our study this week is this, what are you seeking? What do you want out of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you want what he wants? What does he want? He wants to bring more souls into the kingdom. Or is your relationship with Jesus just based on getting stuff for yourself? The real question is, whose glory are you seeking? Your own or Christ's? Jesus turned and saw them, verse 38, and said, What are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, where do you live? He said, Well, come and see. In verse 39, it says, They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Got about two hours till dark. And it's time to turn in for the night. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first went out and found his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, when Jesus saw Simon, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which means a stone. 
And now we get to the theme or the topic of this passage, which is bringing people to Jesus. First, we talked about why you are following Jesus. What is your purpose in following Jesus? Is it a relationship? And then we come to the practical application of that. If you're following Jesus because you want a relationship with him, he, in that relationship, requires one thing of you. You love the Lord with your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to want to bring them to Jesus. I want you to notice that these two men, one of whom we know is Andrew, a future disciple, a brother of Peter, these two want to spend time with Jesus. These two men, they, they, they go, where do you live? We want to spend time with you. And he invites them into his temporary home, this place he's staying while he's in the area. And they spend time with him. They get to know him. I have found over nearly 18 years of ministry that people want to know about Jesus. But if we're honest... They don't like going to church. <laughs> and so getting into their homes, or better yet, bringing them into our homes, are one of the best ways of introducing someone to Christ. People don't like going to church because they feel uncomfortable. But they feel more comfortable in a home. People don't want to go to church. They say, well, churches are full of hypocrites. Well, that's absolutely 100% true. And if you find a church that's not filled with hypocrites, don't join it, because you'll ruin it. Amen? There's no such thing as a perfect church. Your church isn't perfect. None of the churches I pastored were ever perfect. No church is perfect. It's filled with imperfect people serving a perfect God. And so the world is naturally hesitant to go into church. But they'll certainly come to your house for a burger They'll certainly come over to watch a movie with you, find a good, wholesome movie, start a conversation. They'll invite you to their home. Now, the unsaved, they'll come to church occasionally, but not like in the days past. There's too many distractions in our time. There are too many entertainments vying for their attention. So if we're going to reach our world for Christ, we have to go to them. We have to bring them in. Now, notice what happens when someone comes into a home and finds Christ. Verse 41, Andrew first finds his own brother. Andrew goes into the home of Christ, gets to know Jesus, and the first thing he does next day, he runs and finds his own brother, goes and gets Simon, and brings him to meet Jesus. And Andrew's message to his brother couldn't be simpler. We've found the Messiah. It's very simple. And that's a great example for us. Look, if you are not sharing your faith, this is where you have to start. You have to start with your family. You have to start with your family. Why? You love them, don't you? Start with your family and then branch out. Look at Andrew. He made bringing, to people, bringing people to Jesus a habit. He made bringing people to Jesus a habit, but he started with his family. And after he reached his family, he started reaching other people. You go over to John chapter 6, verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but where are they among so many? Andrew was the one who brought the little boy and his lunch to Jesus, and 5,000 people were fed because of it. 
John 10 or 12, 20. There were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast, and the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired of him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip comes and tells Andrew, and Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus. Andrew hears from Philip about these men and said, Let's take them to Jesus. So bringing Peter to Jesus was a big deal. Uh, his brother brought him to Jesus, and that's a big deal. Because Peter would get as close to the Lord as any of the disciples would. He became a part of the inner circle along with James and John. And he led the early church after Pentecost. Immediately upon meeting him, Jesus saw potential in Simon and gave him the first of two new names, signifying his ministry and its progression as his faith would grow. Simon, his birth name, means unstable and impetuous. Cephas, the first new name that the Lord gave him, means a stone. In other words, he's saying, Simon, your life to now has been unstable, hasty, rash. And now it's going to settle down like a stone settles. Your life's going to settle down a bit. Later on in Matthew 16, Simon, Cephas, calls Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The faith that Peter confessed in Jesus was so strong that Jesus ended up giving him another new name. Another name for rock. But this time, he said, look, the rock of your faith is small. He gave him a, a name for rock that means little pebble. But then he says, upon this rock, and the word rock there in the Greek is for a big boulder. He says, you're just a little pebble, but the faith you've exercised in me is a huge boulder. And upon that huge boulder, that rock, I will build my church. Folks, let me tell you, you never know who you may be bringing to Christ. Peter's brother thought, I'm just going to bring my brother to Christ because I found the Messiah. Did he know that his brother would be so instrumental in the early church? And today, that person you reach out to may turn into the most powerful witness, may be called into the ministry, may be sacrificing all just to see others saved. You never know who you're going to reach with the gospel until you reach them. Verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and said unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip finds Nathanael and said unto him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. So we have two men find Jesus. 
one of them, Andrew, goes off and finds his brother and brings him to Jesus. And now Jesus finds another disciple named Philip. And Philip joins the other three. And immediately Philip understands his responsibility to tell people he knows about Jesus. So he reaches out to his friend Nathaniel. But Nathaniel has objections. And sometimes when you try to reach somebody with the word of God, with with the the call to repentance, when you try to tell somebody who Jesus Christ is, they are going to raise objections. I think this is why a lot of people don't witness, because they're afraid of the objections. And right here in John chapter 1, we have one of the first people reached with the gospel, and he had an objection. And his objection was silly. His objection was a prejudice. Nathaniel was prejudiced against people from Nazareth. You see, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but Joseph and Mary settled in in Nazareth, and that's where Joseph set up shop, that's where Jesus grew up, that's where he was known to be from. But Nazareth was the wrong side of the tracks. It was a town with a reputation, it's low class, of having never produced anything worthwhile. And so Nathaniel's question shows his willingness to believe the rumors, to believe the worst of a people he's probably never met. Philip doesn't argue. And that's what we've got to learn in our witnessing. We think we have to answer every question. We think, well, what are we going to say to them if they ask us about dinosaurs or if they ask us about predestination or if they ask us about uh, the end times? I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything except for what Philip said. What did Philip say? Come and see. Just come and see. That's all. He just invites. That's the lesson for us. See, a lot of people are going to resist your invitations to church. And even more will resist your invitation to come to, to come to Jesus. Your job, ladies and gentlemen, is not to answer every objection. Because their objections will melt away once they meet Jesus. A lot of the questions that folks have for you about the faith are just silly. They are Questions that the devil puts in their minds to keep them under uh, bondage to their sin, keep them from coming to Christ, and those objections will melt away if they will simply come to Christ. Your job isn't to answer all those objections. Your job is just to invite them. Get them sitting under the preaching of the Word of God, because the Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and is able to divide the soul and the spirit. It, 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 it will work in a way your words never can. And so just keep inviting. Keep inviting. Get them into a good church, a Bible-believing church. Get them someplace where they're hearing the Word of God. And if they won't come to church, you just keep putting little words in their ears. Read your Bible on a regular basis and, and, and have a verse ready for them. And just quote that verse back to them in casual conversation. The Word of God is far more powerful than your words. Just keep giving the word to them. Just keep telling them. Come and see. Don't get involved in the arguments. Just come and see. And so Nathaniel, being a good friend, says, Okay, I'll go meet this so-called Messiah, Philip. And we'll go see you. And Jesus sets Nathaniel straight right right at the get-go. He lets him in on the secret. The secret that he is God's Messiah. See, before Philip found Nathaniel, Nathaniel had a time of intense and personal prayer under a fig tree. And Jesus is letting him know, 
I heard your prayer. I saw you there. Nobody would have known but God, because the only two people under that fig tree were Nathaniel and God. Nathaniel was by himself, talking to God. Nobody else knew he was there, but God knew he was there, and Jesus is God. So Jesus sets him straight right off the bat by saying, hey, I saw you. I saw you there. You know, folks, if we'll just get people into the presence of Christ, get get them under the preaching of the word, just put the word of God in their ears. It'll do things that we never thought possible. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? <laughs> thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So Jesus answers Nathaniel's faith by introducing him to one of, our, one of his favorite titles for himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man 83 times in the Gospels. 13 of those are in John alone. The title, Son of Man, speaks of the dual nature of Christ. He is both God and human. The title is found in our Older Testaments. Uh, Daniel used the title in reference to the coming Messiah in Daniel 7, 13, and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and it was given him, the Son of Man, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. Nathaniel, being a good Israelite, knew the scriptures. And all good Israelites, knowing the scriptures, knew that Daniel chapter 7, that son of man in Daniel chapter 7 is talking about the Messiah. And clearly in Daniel chapter 7, the son of man is given dominion and glory in a kingdom. He's obviously God himself. The imagery Jesus uses Let's Nathaniel know just who he is. And then he talks about, you'll see the Son of Man ascending and descending. You'll see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Well, there's another reference back into the Older Testament. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob's dream of the ladder to heaven. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up upon the earth, and on the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it proud Israelite that Nathaniel was, he immediately understood that Jesus was telling him that Jesus and only Jesus came from heaven and could take people with him to heaven. And those, just those, using the phrase Son of Man and talking about ascending and descending and bringing up the image of Jacob's ladder, Jesus is telling Nathaniel, look, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, I am God in the flesh, and I'm the only one who came down from heaven, and I'm the only one who will go back up to heaven, and I'm the only one who can take people with me. John chapter 14, verse number 6, the Last Supper, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Andrew and John, they trusted Jesus through the preaching of John the Baptist. Peter came to Christ through the witness of a relative. Philip was personally won by the Lord himself. Nathaniel, he needed a little convincing. Folks, we're all called to be witnesses. The Lord is the one who saves folks, not you or I. Now, there are different needs in our witness, but everyone gets saved the same way. Everyone gets saved the same way. 
Some people need to be talked to longer than others. Some people need to be talked to softer. Some need to be talked to tougher. Everybody's a little different, but everybody gets saved the exact same way. By grace, through faith, in the finished work, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. That's how people get saved. Next week, we open up John chapter 2 and the wedding. And we start seeing the miracles of Jesus right away. Until then, you keep reading your Bibles. You keep praying and keep looking up because our Lord may return any moment. I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.